Shalom. My name is Adam, and I welcome you to the parable of the vineyard. Every day, Yahuwah is waking up a remnant, a group of people who are coming out of deceptions, realizing our walk is to consist of faith and obedience to His righteous commands. Each week, we read through and examine a portion of the Torah, allowing the Spirit of the Most High to guide, teach, and open our eyes and ears to the wondrous matters out of His law. Join us as we seek to be refined by His Word, preparing ourselves for the return of our King of Kings, being faithful and obedient, walking in His way, truth, and life. Shabbat Shalom and welcome back brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Parable of the Vineyard YouTube live stream of our Torah portion reading. My name is Adam, your host, and I welcome you. This is week seven, Vayetze, which covers Jacob, Laban, Rachel, Leah, lots of children, lots of sheep, and lots to cover as always. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, most high, we just come before you and bless you in Yahushua's name. Thank you again for allowing us to come together each week, Father, at your appointed time on your Shabbat to rest, Father, to rest in you, to rest in our labors, Father, and to study your word and to come together and to learn. And Father, I just pray in Yahushua's name that you would guide us with your Ruach HaKodesh as we study your word. And um, we just thank you so much. Thank you for sending Yahushua. Thank you for showing us your Shabbat, your feast days, all your commandments, Father, in Yahushua's name. Amen. Hallelujah. And this is uh, Genesis 28, 10 through 32, 3. far. Let's do it. Let me get old Bessie here. <clears throat> old Faithful. All right, Shabbat has started. Sorry, I like screamed in the mic. Sorry about that. Okay, let's get started. Lots to cover, as always. So here we are at Genesis 28.10. Let me turn this down. Am I screaming still? Okay, I think the levels are good. All right. Genesis 28.10. And Yaakov went out from Beersheba and went out towards Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and to put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. Let me pause real quick, just in case uh, you're new by chance. What we do is we read each week a portion of the Torah and we like to research it a little more, um, go over different books, the, the, the prophets, the writings, uh, even some of the maybe the Apocrypha and other removed books. And uh, we like to just see every detail we can get. And, of course, what we can apply to our lives today. All right, continuing. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set upon the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of Elohim ascending and descending on it. So you got these, this ladder going all up to heaven, his angels going up and down. And behold, Yahuwah stood above it and said, I am Yahuwah Elohai of Abraham, your father, and the Elohai of Yitzchak. The land whereon you lie, to you will I give it, and to your seed. 
and your seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south, and in you, and in your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. The same uh, promise he gave to Abraham, of course, passed down to Isaac, now passed down to Jacob. And behold, I am with you, and I will guard you in all places where you go, and will bring you again to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done that which I have spoken of you. And Yaakov awoke out of his sleep and said, Surely Yahweh is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place! This is none other than the house of Elohim, and this is the gate of heaven. We'll stop there. A lot to cover here. So this is that ladder. This is that famous ladder going up to heaven, the dream. And we know that there's a literal gate of heaven. In Enoch chapter 9, verses 1 through 2, it says, And then Michael, Uriel, Raphael, and Gabriel looked down from heaven and saw much blood being shed upon the earth and all lawlessness being wrought upon the earth. And they said one to another, The earth made without habit inhabitant cries the voice of their crying up to the gates of heaven. And actually... <clears throat> We'll learn, uh, well, we're not going to read it all tonight, but in um, the book of the Heavenly Luminaries, which covers, I think, Enoch 71 or 72, depending on which translation you read, all the way through 80, um, and it does say that there's actually 12 gates of heaven. But here, just one more verse on here, verse 10. It says, And now behold, the souls of those who have died are crying and making their suit to the gates of heaven. So here you see plural, and their lamentation have ascended, which we know that when New Jerusalem comes down, New Jerusalem is essentially considered heaven, and there's 12 gates to that, so it would only make sense if there's 12 gates to the, the windows of heaven as well. So, um, let's see, what else do I want to read? Enoch 104. I swear unto you that in heaven the angels remember you for good before the glory of the Great One, and your names are written before the glory of the Great One. Be hopeful, for aforetime you were put to shame through ill and affliction, but now you shall shine as the lights of heaven. If you haven't seen the study we've done about the identity of the stars in heaven, uh, it may bless you. Just search uh, Enoch 43, identity of the stars in heaven. You shall shine and you shall be seen and the portals or the gates of heaven shall be opened to you and in your cry, cry for judgment and it shall appear for you. For all your tribulation shall be visited on the rulers and all who helped you those who plundered you be hopeful and cast not away your hopes for you shall have great joy as the angels of heaven not really relevant to today's torah portion but i just wanted to share these awesome verses that had the gates of heaven in them that's just what we do sometimes so um also let's see another interesting story from third maccabees we're gonna read a little bit here <clears throat> third maccabees um a neat story about the gates of heaven opening up then a certain Eliezer, famous among the priests of the country who had attained a ripe old age and throughout his life had been adorned with every virtue, directed the elders around him to cease calling upon the holy Elohim and prayed as follows, King of great power, Almighty El, Most High, governing all creation with mercy, look upon the descendants of Abraham, O Father, upon the children of the sainted Jacob a people of your consecrated portion who are perishing as foreigners in a foreign land. By the way, uh, let me just uh, pause here. We'll give you the context. This is um, there. This is during the um, the time of, what was his name? Philip Hater, king of the Seleucids. And 
he came into Jerusalem and was like, hey, you know, how's it going? I want to make a sacrifice in your temple. I do I do this everywhere I go. Uh, I'm the king of the land, and I want to I offer sacrifice uh, here in your temple. And they're like, no, 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 you can't go in the temple. It's against our, you know, Torah here. Let me read the Torah for you. This is where it says nobody but the priests, the Levi, uh, the sons of Aaron can go in here. He's like, yeah, I still want to go. And they're like, no, 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 no. Anyways, um, like an angel like shoved him, the king, and like he fell and he got all mad. And now he like, he wants to come and like just destroy them. He's brought all these like thousands of armies and elephants and just to come to destroy them. And so now they're like praying to Allah, yeah, like come help us because we can't do anything here. <clears throat> oh, Father, upon the children of Saint Jacob, a people of your consecrated portion who are perishing as foreigners in a foreign land, Pharaoh, with his abundance of chariots, the former ruler of this Egypt, exalted with lawless insolence and boastful tongue, you destroyed together with his arrogant army by drowning them in the sea, manifesting the light of your mercy upon the nation of Israel. Sennacherib, exulting in his countless forces, oppressive king of the Assyrians who had already gained control of the whole world by the spear and was lifted up against your holy city, speaking grievous words with boasting and insolence, you, O Yahweh, broke in pieces, showing your power to many nations. The three companions in Babylon who had voluntarily surrendered their lives to the flames so as not to serve vain things, you rescued unharmed, even to a hair, moistening the fiery furnace with dew and turning the flame against Against all their enemies. Daniel, who through envious slanders was cast down into the ground to lions as food for wild beasts, you brought up to the light unharmed. And Jonah, wasting away in the belly of a huge seaborn monster, you, Father, watched over and restored unharmed to all his family. And now, you who hate insolence, all merciful and protector of all, Reveal yourself quickly to those of the nation of Israel who are being outrageously treated by the abominable and lawless Gentiles. Even if our lives have become entangled in impieties, in our exile, rescue us from the hand of the enemy and destroy us, Yahuwah, by whatever fate you choose. Let not the vain-minded praise of their vanities at the destruction of your beloved people, saying, Not even their Elohim has rescued them. But you, O Eternal One, who have all might and power, watch over us now and have mercy upon us, who by the senseless insolence of the lawless are being deprived of life in the manner of traitors. And let the Gentiles cower today in fear of your invincible might, O Honored One, who have power to save the nation of Jacob. The whole throng of infants and their parents entreat you with tears. Let it be shown to all the Gentiles that you are with us, O Yahuwah, and have not turned your face from us. But just as you have said, not even when they were in the land of their enemies did I neglect them. So accomplish it, Yahuwah. Now that's a prayer. That's a prayer of prayers. Just as Eliezer was ending his prayer, the king arrived at the Hippodrome with the beasts and all the arrogance of his forces. And when the Jews observed this, they raised great cries to heaven so that even the nearby valleys resounded with them and brought an uncontrollable terror upon the army. Then the most glorious, almighty, and true Elohim revealed his holy face and opened the heavenly gates from which two glorious angels of fearful aspect descended, visible to all but the Jews. They opposed the forces of the enemy and filled them with confusion and terror, blinding them with immovable shackles. Even the king began to shudder bodily, and he forgot his sullen insolence. The beasts turned back upon the armed forces following them and began trampling and destroying them. Then the king's anger was turned to pity and tears because of the things that he had devised beforehand. This is how awesome our, our Yah is, right? 
For when he heard the shouting and saw them all falling headlong to destruction, he wept and angrily threatened his friends, saying, You are committing treason and surpassing tyrants and cruelty, and even me, your benefactor, you are now attempting to deprive of dominion and life by secretly devising acts of no advantage to the kingdom. Who is it that has taken each man from his home and senselessly gathered here those who faithfully have held the fortresses of our country? Who is it that has so lawlessly encompassed with outrageous treatment those who from the beginning differed from all nations in their goodwill towards us and often have accepted willingly the worst of human dangers? Loose and unite their unjust bonds. Send them back to their homes in peace, begging pardon for your former actions. Release the sons of the Almighty and living Elohim of heaven, who from the time of our ancestors until now has granted an unimpeded and notable stability to our government. These then were the things he said, and the Jews immediately released, praised their holy Elohim and Savior since they now had escaped death. Then the king who had returned to the city summoned the official in charge of the revenues and ordered him to provide the Jews both with wines and everything else needed for a festival of seven days, deciding that they should celebrate their rescue with all joyfulness in that same place in which they'd expected to meet their destruction. Just, again, kind of totally unrelated to today's portion, but I really just wanted to share a couple neat um, neat verses or stories that involve the gates of heaven um, being opened up here. And so, again, <clears throat> hopefully it blessed you like it blessed me when I read it. I don't know. John one fifty one, And he said unto him, Verily I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels of Elohim ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Hallelujah. So here Messiah references it too. Uh, I want to read, let's see, I want to read part of the Targums here. Targums is the Aramaic. We're going to read 28, 13 through 17. And behold, the glory of Yahuwah stood above him, and he said to him, I am Yahuwah, the Elohim of Abraham your father, and the Elohim of Yitzhak. The land on which you are lying I will give to you and to your sons, and your sons shall be as many as the dust of the earth, and shall become strong on the west and on the east, and on the north and on the south, and all kindred of the earth shall through your righteousness and the righteousness of your sons be blessed. Now listen, and behold, my word, which is Messiah, is for your help, and will keep you in every place where you shall go, and will bring you again to this land, for I will not leave you until the time when I have performed all that I have told you. And Yaakov awoke from his sleep and said, Verily, the glory of Yahweh's presence dwells in this place. And I knew it not. In Isaiah 63, clearly shows us that Messiah is the, the angel of the presence. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful and glorious is this place. This place is not common, but the sanctuary of the name of Yahuwah, the proper spot for prayer set forth before the gate of heaven and founded beneath the throne of glory. And that's kind of interesting. It says beneath the throne of glory. A couple things here. Ezekiel 5.5 5 says, This is what Yahweh Elohim says. This is Jerusalem. I have placed her at the center of the nations with lands around her. So Jerusalem is the center. Maybe not the center of the whole um, the whole earth, but the center of the nations. And it's perhaps maybe that's where, if you know Jerusalem is the center of the nations, maybe that's where Yahweh's throne is almost directly beneath. Because um, Bethel, where he's at, is just, it's so close to Jerusalem. I mean, it's just like, I don't know how exactly, I mean, miles or so, but I mean, it's just right there. All right. Um, so one thing I want to mention here is it's a good, it's a good place to talk about dreams. Dreams comes up quite a bit. 
And let's just, let's verify this. Numbers 12, 5 through 6. And Yahweh came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aharon and Miriam, and they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, Yahweh, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream, which he did, of course, to Abraham, uh, to Yitzhak, to Jacob, uh, to David, to Moses, to many, to many people. Um, and so dreams can be from Yah. We have to be very careful. Deuteronomy 13 says this, though. So, <clears throat> and if there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or a wonder come to pass, whereof he spake unto you, saying, Let us go after other Elohim, which ye have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For Yahweh Elohim proves you to know whether you love Yahweh Elohim with all your heart and with all your soul. Ye shall walk after Yahweh Elohim and fear him, and keep his commandments, and obey his voice, and ye shall serve him and cleave unto him. And that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death, because he has spoken to turn you away from Yahweh Elohim, which brought you out of the land of Egypt, and redeemed you out of the house of bondage, to thrust you out of the way which Yahweh Elohim commanded you to walk in. So shall you put the evil away from the midst of you. So, long story short, um, we should take it very seriously if we're going to share a dream with somebody and be like, well, Yah told me this. Yah told me to tell you this. Or um, the Most High came to me a dream and, and, and this is a prophecy. Because in times past, if you dreamed a dream and it did not come to pass or um, you were leading people by dreams and, and it, it's, it didn't come to pass, like, like you'd be put to death. And I don't know, like... You see, at least it comes on my, I don't know why it comes on my feed, but I get, I see these, uh, these videos all over my feed. It's like, I had a rapture dream. I had a rapture dream. I had a rapture dream. Rapture tomorrow. Rapture next week. Rapture next Tuesday. Rapture, rapture, rapture. You know, and a lot of people just sharing dreams like every day, like they just have a, a dream factory and you you look at these, you look at the lives of like Jacob and Abraham, these righteous people, and Yah spoke to them like a few times, like two or three times, maybe. I, I haven't counted. It, it maybe more, maybe like five, but it's it's a very few times. And there's people that Yah speaks to in a dream like every day or like once a week. I don't, I don't, maybe, maybe I'm not trying to be a mocker, but let's just be realistic here. So we should be really, really careful, and we should test these things. Jeremiah twenty three sixteen. Thus says Yahweh Sebaot, hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you. They make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart and not out of the mouth of Yahweh. They say still unto them that despise me. And, and, and for context, it's very clear throughout the Torah, throughout the writings of prophets, that people, that the definition of people that despise him are people that break his commandments. Period. You love him by keeping his ways. You despise him by not keeping his ways. They say still unto them that despise me, Yahweh said, you shall have peace. And they say unto everyone that walks after the imagination of his own heart, which is also defined as not walking according to the commandments, but walking after their own ways, after ways of man or, or their own hearts, no evil shall come upon you. And this is really important because um, there's a huge community of just dreamers, rapture dreamers, and... It, it follows the the same Christian. They follow the same Christianity doctrine of 
people that aren't walking in the Torah, aren't walking in the commandments, it's going to be well with you. We're just got to wait for the rapture and we'll be whisked away. And not that I do believe in a uh, a snatching away, uh, Messiah coming in and grabbing his people, uh, especially like we see Lot being snatched out of Sodom and Gomorrah before it's destroyed. But the falsity here, and this is the crux of the falsity, is that they say these these people that teach and that um, that prophesy over these people hey, you're not keeping his commandments, but that's okay because the commandments are done away with and it's just about faith and believing in the in the death, burial, and resurrection of, of uh, you know, the J word, which is false. It's a false gospel. It's a false doctrine. For who has stood in the counsel of Yahuwah and has perceived the, and heard his word? Who has marked his word and heard it? Behold, a whirlwind of the glorious, uh, I'm sorry, of Behold, a whirlwind of Yahuwah is gone forth in fury, even a grievous whirlwind. It shall fall grievously upon the head of the wicked. The anger of Yahuwah shall not return until he has executed, till he has performed the thoughts of his heart. In the latter days, you shall consider it perfectly. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words his Torah, his commandments, then they, should have re- then they should have turned them from their evil way. Doesn't that make sense? And from the evil of their doings. How do we measure what's evil? By the Torah. I am an Elohim at hand, says Yahuwah, and not an Elohim far off. Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, says Yahuwah? Do not I fill heaven and earth, says Yahuwah? I have heard what the prophets have said, that prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? Yea, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart, which they, listen to this, which think to cause my people to forget my name by their dreams, which they tell every man to his neighbor as their fathers have forgotten my name for Baal. The prophet that has a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, says Yahuwah? Is not my word like a fire, says Yahuwah, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, says Yahuwah, that steal my words, everyone from his neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophets that says, I'm sorry, behold, I am against the prophets, says Yahuwah, that use their tongues and says, he said. Behold, I am against them that, pro- that falsely prophesy dreams, says Yahuwah. And do tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their lightness. Yet I sent them not nor commanded them. Therefore, they shall not profit this people at all, says Yahuwah. So kind of a little off topic, but kind of on topic about dreams because this is relevant to today. Here we see Yahuwah speaking to a true prophet in a dream. And honestly, I, as I see, as we see all over the place, there's lots of false prophets prophesying dreams like all the time, like daily, weekly, monthly. Anyways, uh, a couple other wise words about dreams. A man of no understanding has vain and false hopes. This is Sirach 34, by the way. And dreams give wings to fools. As one who catches at a shadow and pursues the wind, so is he who gives heed to dreams. The vision of dreams is this against that, the likeness of a face confronting a face. From an unclean thing, what will be made clean? And from something false, what will be true? divinations and omens and dreams are folly and like a woman in travail the mind has fancies unless they are sent from the most high as a visitation do not give your mind to them for dreams have deceived many and those who put their hope in them have failed so let's just be honest we i don't know some i dream a lot and i'd say 
most of them are just like you wake up you're like okay it's weird that's dumb okay but there's some people that this is really dedicated to that literally live their lives by dreams it's like they'll have a dream about i don't know a blue truck driving by and they're like you know that means messiah is coming next week i don't know i'm just saying like I'm not trying to poke fun, but I'm really trying to be realistic about this and for us to be cautious about listening to people's dreams. And if we dream, listen, it may be from Yah. Maybe you've had a dream and you just know that he's He's told you, hey, you need to quit your job or something like that. And, and, and there's probably times that that's happened. But I think we should take caution. Just like Sorak, approach it with caution. Unless it's from Yah, unless you know it's from Yah, don't give your mind to it. And when you when there's something that's like life-changing in, in it, you're like, you know, maybe you should really stop, think about it, pray about it, take some time before taking action. Let him let him prove it to you that that's really from him. Just some suggestions as a brother, brother to brother or brother to sister. Just a suggestion. All right. Um, back to Genesis twenty eight seventeen, And he was afraid and said, how, oh no, verse 18. And Yaakov rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillow. This is a, this is a man, this is a man's man, right? Using a stone for a pillow. Wow, we are like lacking here. And set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city was called Luz at the first and Yaakov vowed a vow, saying, If Elohim will be with me and will guard me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and put raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall Yahweh be my Elohim. And this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be Elohim's house. And of all that you shall give me, I will surely give, you, give the tenth to you. So here we see um, the, precept, the, the precept of tithing before it was given, of course, in Mount Sinai. Anyways, some people would take offense to this because Messiah's like, they're like Messiah says not to vow at all. I think truly what Messiah was saying, and it's backed up in Ecclesiastes five, I think, or maybe three. Anyways, it says it's better not to vow than to vow and to not fulfill your vow. I think my Messiah was sharing with us, hey, just don't need to vow, but if you vow, keep it, or else. All right, uh, Genesis 29. Then Yaakov went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. And he looked and behold, a well in the field. And lo, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well, they watered the flocks. And a great stone was on the well's mouth. Let's remember this, a great stone, huge. And thither, there were all the flocks gathered. And they rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the sheep and put the stone again upon the well's mouth in its place. And Yaakov said unto them, My brethren, whence be ye? Where are you from? And they said, Of Haran are we. And he said to them, Know ye Lavan, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. And he said unto them, Is he well? And they said, He is well. And behold, Rachel, his daughter, comes with the sheep. And he said, Lo, it is yet high day, neither is it time that the cattle should be gathered together. Water ye the sheep, and go and feed them. By the way, all throughout the scriptures, it says cattle. But this is kind of a general term that was generally translated. I think you'll find that most of their flocks were typically sheep and goats, not cows. Not that cows didn't exist, but the majority of their flocks were sheep and goats. Rams. And they said, so he's like, come on, 
bother them. What's up? Why are you all just sitting around? And they said, we cannot until all the flocks be gathered together until they roll the stone from the well's mouth and then we water the sheep. They're like, so like, we got to wait for everyone here until, because the stone is huge. And they're like, we got to wait till everybody's here, man, until we can like all do it together. And while he yet spoke with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep for she kept them. And it came to pass when Yaakov saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban's his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. And Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. Now, pause. <laughs> you want to learn Torah? <laughs> so let's just back up here. So you have this huge stone on this well that it took a bunch of, bunch of people, a bunch of men to all lift it all at one time. And Jacob's like, come on, let's feed, let's water them. What are you all just sitting around here for? They're like, we got to wait till everybody's here because it's like, this thing's heavy. And then Jacob sees Rachel and was like, watch this, and goes and lifts it himself and then goes to her, kisses her, lifts up his voice and cries. Like, this is like, this guy is all over the, all over the place and I love him. He's got like the strength, he's got the emotions and brothers hey listen if you if you want to know Torah it's okay to impress the ladies because he knew he knew he was he was going specifically to go marry Rachel or I don't know if he knew specifically Rachel Leah but the daughter of Laban he was looking for the daughters of Laban to marry period because that's that was the custom um anyways so I just I don't know I, maybe I'm, you're like at home like so what and I'm like this guy's awesome that's Torah. Impressing the ladies. That's Torah. That is, of course, if you're single looking for uh, a female. Otherwise, chill. All right. Um, let's see. I wanted to read. I wanted to read, read, read. Okay, yeah. So, verse 12. And Yaakov told Rachel that he was her father's brother and that he was Rivka's son and she ran and told her father. So, this is kind of interesting because this reminds me of uh, what Abraham said. Abraham said, and yet, indeed, she is my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. So people are like, oh, dude, you married your half-sister. Well, back up. Here, Yaakov says, Yaakov, listen, let's, let's listen carefully. Yaakov told Rachel that he was her father's brother. It's not true. He was her father's nephew. But the way the Hebrew language works, this is this this is correct. Linguistically, this is correct, just like with Abraham. Linguistically, this is correct because she is indeed this, my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but we actually learn through the true lineage, daughter of her grandfather. But that's not really how the language works. And this is confirmed in Jasher uh, and Haran, the son of Terah, Abram's oldest brother. So we're talking about Haran. Abram's oldest brother took a wife in those days. Haran was 39 years old when he took her, and the wife of Haran conceived and bare a son, and he called his name Lot. And she conceived again and bare a daughter, and she called her name Milcah. And she again conceived and bare a daughter, and she called her name Sarah. So, in fact, Sarah is Abram's niece. That may still seem weird to you, but that's totally normal in those days. Marrying your sister was not normal. It's against Torah. And so this has been the age-old question. Well, why did Abraham, the father of the whole nation, how, why did this start with an incestuous relationship? Well, it actually didn't. Not according to Torah. In our modern day, this seems incestuous, but it's not. This is totally 
that was like the preferred uh, cousins, nieces, nephews, and you may still be like, it's normal. It was normal back then. We live in a different society, completely different. But even though we grew up in this way, should we look at the Torah and be like, what's up with this Torah, man? Or should we like, okay, praise yeah. We believe you. We trust you that this is okay. All right. But anyways, I just want to share that with you. Um, I, I like the details. So. so again, Yaakov told Rachel that he was her father's brother, nephew, and that he was Rivka's son. And she ran and told her father. And it came to pass when Laban heard the tidings of Yaakov's, his sister's son, see, nephew, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. And he told Laban all these things. Now, what's all these things? Let's read in Jasher 30. We're going to read Jasher 30, 9 through 11. And Jacob told Rachel that he was the son of Rebekah, her father's sister. And Rachel ran and told her father, and Jacob continued to cry because he had nothing with him to bring to the house of Laban. And when Laban heard that his sister's son Jacob had come, he ran and kissed him and embraced him and brought him into the house and gave him bread and he ate. And Jacob, Jacob, related to Laban what his brother Esau had done to him and what his son Eliphaz had done to him in the road. And we read about that last week that Eliphaz, the son of Esau, uh, there he was sent to kill Jacob, but Jacob diplomatically uh, got himself out of it and um, instead had to give all of his possessions to him. All the money, the, the gold, silver that he was going to give uh, and to purchase his wife. But now he came empty-handed and that's why he's crying. So an emotional guy, but it's okay. David was an emotional guy. Moses was an emotional guy. It's okay to be emotional according to the Torah. You don't have to be like, it's okay. It's okay to be soft a little bit. Hard and soft. Like you saw, he was manly man, and he was also soft. It's okay to be both. It's not toxic. And then the Targums 29.13. I want to read. And it was when Laban heard the account of the strength and the piety of Jacob, the son of her sister, because he's like, dang, this guy like lifted up the whole thing by himself. How he had taken the birthright and the order of the blessing from the hand of his brother and how Yahweh had revealed himself at Bethel and how the stone had been removed and how the well had upflowed and risen to the brink. He ran to meet him and embrace him and kissed him and led him into the house. And he related to Laban all these things. And also it said in the Targums that when the well, when Yaakov appeared, the, the well, uh, all the water came all the way to the top where it had been at the bottom and they had to scoop it like normal, but it flowed and overflowed to the top. So, all right, let's keep going. And Laban said to him, surely you are my bone and my flesh. The Septuagint says bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And he abode with him the space of a month. And Laban said unto Jacob, because you are my brother, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel, Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. They were twins. Jasher 28, 28 says so. 28, 28, yeah. And Yahweh afterward remembered Adina, the wife of Laban, and she conceived and bare twin daughters. And Laban called the names of his daughters, the name of the elder Leah, and the name of the younger Rachel. Just neat little tidbits. 
And Yaakov loved Rachel and said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And Yaakov served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love that he had to her. This is a this is a strong, emotional, passionate, driven man. This is Torah. It's Torah to be a strong. If you weren't built that way, then you know. Crazy eye anyways. But I'm just saying all these qualities are okay. It's it's okay for a man to be strong. It's okay for a man to be uh to be to be a show off in front of a woman that he wants to marry. It's okay for um uh him to be passionate, driven, motivated. <laughs> and uh, I, I want to make mention here that working seven years for your wife, that's like a heavy price. That's a long time. And that shows you the value of a woman. I think and sometimes, because of the focus of the men, and there's certainly great stories about women through the scriptures, um, <clears throat> Deborah, um, Judith, if you haven't read the book of Judith, part of the Apocrypha, amazing, Susanna, um, Jael, uh, what else? There's so many, Sarah. Um, there's there's so many. I, I mean, just but I'm just obviously the focus is on men, and I think coming into Torah and, and you see that the men is the the head of the household and I don't ever want to think to, that women are like some afterthought he created male and female female is just as, is amazing and um, I, I love this anytime anytime I, I think about this I, I love this story it's from first Esdras which was part of the Apocrypha chapter 4 and the speech about women this is a um, this is in Babylon and you have three bodyguards where, where they had this challenge they wanted to present to the king what they thought was the most powerful thing in the world. The first one said the wine was the most powerful thing in the world because, you know, wine rules over the mind and, you know, changes people's behavior and makes people fight and all these things. And they're like, hey, see, isn't the wine the most powerful? Uh, and then the next person was like, no, the king's most powerful. The king has power over the vineyards and people that make wine. And the king has the power to put you to death or set you free. And see, isn't the king the most powerful? And then Zerubbabel, we know who Zerubbabel is. Hopefully you do. Uh he uh, he's like, nah, women. Check this out. Then the third, that is Zerubbabel, who had spoken of women in truth, began to speak. Gentlemen, he said, <clears throat> gentlemen, is not the great king, is not the king great? Excuse me, and are not men many? And is not wine strong? Who then is their master, or who is their master? Is it not women? Women gave birth to the king and to every people that rules over sea and the land. From women they came, and women brought up the very men who plant the vineyards from which wine comes. Women make men's clothes. They bring men glory. Men cannot exist without women. <laughs> I love this part. If men gather gold and silver or any other beautiful thing, and then see a woman lovely in appearance and beauty... They let all those things go and gape at her and with open mouths stare at her and all prefer her to gold or silver or any beautiful thing. A man leaves his own father who brought him up and his own country and cleaves to his wife. With his wife he ends his days and with no thought of his father or his mother over his country. Hence you must realize that women rule over you. Do you not labor and toil and bring everything and give it to women? 
A man takes a sword and goes out to travel and rob and steal and to sail the seven the seas and rivers, and he faces lions and he walks in darkness, and when he steals and robs and plunders, he brings it back to the woman he loves. A man loves his wife more than his father or his mother. Many men have lost their minds because of women and have become slaves because of them. Many have perished or stumbled or sinned because of women. And now, do you not believe me? Is not the king great in power? Do not all lands fear to touch him? Yet I have seen him with Apame, the king's concubine, the daughter of the illustrious Bartikus. She would sit at the king's right hand and take the crown from the king's head and put it on her own and slap the king with her left hand. At this, the king would gaze at her with mouth agape. If she smiles at him, he laughs. If she loses her temper with him, he flatters her that she may be reconciled to him. Gentlemen, why are not women strong since they do such things? Then the king and the nobles looked at another and he began to speak about truth. Gentlemen, <clears throat> gentlemen, are not women strong? The earth is vast and the heaven is high and the sun is swift in its course for it makes the circuit of the heavens and returns to its place in one day. How does that work with how science teaches us what the sun, what the sun does, right? And what the earth does. Think about that for a moment. Is he not great who does these things, but truth is great and stronger than all things. The whole earth calls upon truth and heaven blesses her. All of Elohim's work quake and tremble, and with him there is nothing unrighteous. Wine is unrighteous, the king is unrighteous, and women are unrighteous. All the sons of men are unrighteous, all their works are unrighteous, and all such things. There is no truth in them, and in their unrighteousness they will perish. But truth endures and is strong forever and lives and prevails forever and ever. With her, there is no partiality or preference, but she does what is righteous instead of anything that is unrighteous or wicked. All men approve her deeds and there is nothing unrighteous in her judgment. To her belongs the strength and the kingship and the power and the majesty of all the ages. Blessed be the Elohim of truth. He ceased speaking. Then all the people shouted and said, Great is truth and strongest of all. And Zerubbabel won the contest. Praise you. All right, so a little, little, uh, little rabbit trail there, but just wanted to share that women are awesome. Y'all made man, y'all made woman. Okay, let's uh, let's keep going here. So he served her seven days for uh, for Rachel. And Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my woman, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go in unto her. That's a pretty awkward conversation. I don't know how that would go down in today's world, just to be honest with you. I don't know if I'd go to my father-in-law and say that. But, hey, that's how it went down. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him, and he went in unto her. So I guess it's also Torah to be blunt. <laughs> We're learning Torah. Sometimes it is good to be blunt and not beat around the bush. So we're just learning. Maybe maybe we're also learning there's a better way. Maybe we're learning there's a better way than to uh, say this to your, your eventual father-in-law. Maybe. No judge. I ain't nobody. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter. So he, remember, he, he covenanted. He made the deal for Rachel. And Laban brought Leah and brought her to him and he went unto her because it was really dark because they didn't have electricity back then and when the candle goes out, the candle goes out. And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah, Zilpah, his handmaid, is made for a handmaid. And it came to pass in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this that you have done to me? Did not I serve you for Rachel? Wherefore then have you beguiled me? And as we talked about last week, the beguiler got beguiled. Is that good English? I don't know. 
but that's how it went down. And Laban said, it must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. And um, we learned in the book of Yashar that, um, yeah, it just it was just clear that they doused all the lights and it was pitch black. And so that's just, he said that, in yeah. So that's how it went down. So then Laban's like, fulfill her week. So work seven years for her, for Rachel, and I'll give her to you this also for the service, which you shall serve me yet for seven of the years. And Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. And he gave him Rachel, his daughter, to be his woman also. And Laban gave Rachel, his daughter, Bilhah, his handmaid, to be her maid. And he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved Rachel more than Leah and served him with yet seven other years. So just for, chron- for chronological order, um, you Laban gave uh, Jacob Leah, and then Jacob complained. And Laban's like, well, you know, work seven more years. He gave also at the end of the seven-day wedding feast, he gave him Rachel, and then he worked seven more years. So he got both of them at the same time, within the same week, essentially. And when Yahweh saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. It's a rough, that must have been a rough life for Leah. But she was a righteous woman. And Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, Surely Yahuwah has looked upon my affliction. Now therefore my man will love me. And she conceived again and bore a son, and said, Because Yahuwah has heard that I was hated, he has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Shimon. And she conceived again and bore a son, and said, Now this time will my man be joined unto me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son, and she said, Now will I praise Yahuwah. Therefore she called his name Yahuda and left bearing. Chapter 30. And when Rachel saw that she bore Yaakov no children, Rachel envied her sister. We talked about envy last week, and we've been talking about it quite a bit during the Testament of the Twelve Patriarchs. Tough, tough uh, emotion here, and spirit, uh, spirit that oppresses people. And said unto El Yaakov, Give me children or else I die. This is no bueno, not good, because we know that words have power. And this is something we really should um, understand and take every word and thought captive. We've grown up in a society where a lot of us watched TV growing up, uh, TV shows, movies. And a lot of modern day humor is sarcasm. But with sarcasm, you're saying things that are very detrimental to your life, but words have power nonetheless of how you mean it sometimes because you speak something into existence you know like um i'm just saying this for example's sake not you know but like there's a, a popular term that's like when you're laughing you're laughing you're like ha, 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 you know i'm dead really are you or like i'm dying like you know or you're killing me you know things like that. these are like these words have power and we should really be careful and she should be careful and, and, I'll, and we'll share more why a little bit later and Yaakov's anger was kindled against Rachel and he said am I in Elohim's stead who has withheld from you the fruit of your womb because he's like obviously Leah's bearing so it's, this isn't me why are you getting mad at me and she said behold my maid Bilhah going into her and she shall bear upon my knees that I may also have children by her very similar situation than we saw with um, of course Sarah and uh, Hagar and she gave him Bilhah, her handmaid, to be his woman. And Yaakov went unto her. And Bilhah conceived and bore Yaakov a son. And Rachel said, Elohim has judged me and has also heard my voice and has given me a son. Therefore called she his name Dan. 
In Bilhah, Rachel's maid conceived again and bore Yaakov a second son. And Rachel said, With great wrestlings have I wrestled with my sister, and I have prevailed, and she called his name Naphtali. When Leah saw that she had left bearing, she took Zilpah her maid and gave her Yaakov to be his woman. And Zilpah, Leah's maid, bore Yaakov a son. And Leah said, A troop comes, and she called his name Gad. And Zilpah, Leah's maid, bore Yaakov a second son. And Leah said, Happy am I, for the daughters will call me blessed. And she called his name Asher. And by the way, uh, as I mentioned, we're we're doing the test from the Twelve Patriarchs series. We're almost done. We're, I think we're like three quarters of the way through this week um, or earlier um, was Gad. And then we've got Asher, uh, Joseph, and Benjamin. So if you are interested in learning more about these patriarchs and that they are all prophets themselves and interested in what they have to say, please check those out. Please check that out. And Reuben went in the days of the wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them unto his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to El Leah, Give me, I pray you, of your son's mandrakes. And she said unto her, Is it a small matter that you have taken my man? And would you take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, Therefore, he shall lie with you tonight for your son's mandrakes. And Jacob came out of the field in the evening, and Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come in unto me, for surely I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. And he lay with her that night. And Elohim hearkened unto El Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob the fifth son. And Leah said, Elohim has given me my hire, because I have given my maiden to my man, and she called his name Yissachar. And Leah conceived again, and bore Yaakov the sixth son. And Leah said, Elohim has endued me with a good dowry. Now will my man dwell with me, because I have borne him six sons, and she called his name Zebulun. Uh, here we go. And afterwards, she bore a daughter and called her name Dina, or Dinah, however you want to pronounce it. And Elohim remembered Rachel, and Elohim hearkened to her and opened her womb. There's a little passage in Jasher uh, 31, 19 through 21. Oops. And Rachel was still barren in those days, and Rachel prayed unto Yahweh that time. And she said, O Yahweh Elohim, remember me and visit me, I beseech you. For now my husband will cast me off, for I have borne him no children. Now, O Yahweh Elohim, hear my supplication before you, and see my affliction, and give me children like one of the handmaids, that I may no more bear my reproach. And Elohim heard her and opened her womb. And Rachel conceived and bare a son, and she said, Yahweh has taken away my reproach. And she called his name Yosef, saying, May Yahweh add to me another son. And Yaakov was 91 years old when she bare him. And she conceived and bare a son and said, Yeah, Elohim has taken away my approach. And she called his name Yosef and said, Yahweh has, shall add to me another son. And it came to pass when Rachel had borne Yosef that Yaakov said unto Laban, Send me away that I may go into my own place, into my own country. Give me my women and my children for whom I have served you, and let me go, for you know my service which I have done you. And Laban said unto him, I pray you, if I have found favor in your eyes, tarry, for I have learned by experience that Yahweh has blessed me for your sake. So at least Laban acknowledged that he got blessed big time for Yaakov being there. It's kind of like how, um, oh, if you look at the children of Israel when they went into Egypt, Egypt was blessed because the children of Israel, Israel were there. And then likewise, we can see that a lot of the, the lost 10 tribes have moved over into the United States, and the United States got blessed. Regardless if it was a good nation or not, it got blessed. And he said, appoint me your wage. So Laban's like, come on, man, you can't leave. Like, you're, you're blessing me here. You can't leave. And he said, appoint me your wages, and I will give it. 
And he said unto him, You know how I have served you, and how your cattle was with me. For it was little which you had before I came, and it is now increased into a multitude. And Yahuwah has blessed you since my coming. And now when shall I provide for my own house also? And he said, What shall I give you? And Yaakov said, You shall not give me anything. If you will do this thing for me, I will again feed and guard your flock. I will pass through all your flock today, which by the way, the Septuagint says, Jacob's like, you pass through the flock today. Not, not a big deal, but. Removing from thence all the speckled and spotted cattle and all the brown cattle among the sheep and the spotted and speckled among the goats and of such shall be my hire. By the way, <clears throat> these speckled and spotted and the brown, these were pretty rare. Like, it, like as you know, most sheep, uh, most sheep come out white. Um, and so he's saying like, you know, I'll take the, the brown or the black, depending on which translation you look at, and the ones that are spotted, which are pretty rare um, and of less value. And so Jacob's like, here, basically let me have, I'll have the rare ones. You can, you take the normal ones, or the ones that are very common. I'll take the rare ones. And in this case, rare doesn't mean worth more money. Uh, far from that. And it says, So shall my righteousness answer for me in time to come, when it shall come for my hire before your face. Every one that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the sheep, that shall be counted stolen with me. And Laban said, Behold, I would it might be according to your word. So Laban's like, Deal. Ha. <laughs> sure. And he removed that day the goats that were ring-straked and spotted and all the she-goats that were speckled and spotted and everyone that had some white in it and all the brown among the sheep and gave them into the hands of his sons. And he set three days' journey betwixt himself and Yaakov and Yaakov fed the rest of Laban's flocks. And Yaakov took him rods of green poplar and of the hazel and chestnut tree and pilled white strakes in them and made the white appear which was in the rods. If you look at strakes, the definition of strakes, it's like a like a helix type of thing and some people have made the connection that it looked like a DNA strand maybe maybe not and he set the rods which he had pilled before the flocks in the gutters in the watering troughs when the flocks came to drink that they should conceive when they came to drink and the flocks conceived before the rods and brought forth cattle ring straked speckled and spotted and Jacob did separate the lambs and set the faces of the flocks toward the ring straight and all the brown in the flock of Laban. And he put his own flocks by themselves and put them not into Laban's cattle. I really, I had to research this because I don't know. I'm like, I don't understand. So if you're making like, these designs in the rods and they're in the watering troughs and they're looking at these rods, how is it that, how is it this benefiting you and how are they coming out? you know, ring straight and whatnot. And I looked at it and it was, uh, it, there's a couple of theories out there, but the, the main theory out there is that um, supposedly it's been proven that whatever, if, if like the sheep are staring at something while they're conceiving, that that has that bears influence on their offspring. So if he's making these designs and these rods and they're like sitting there staring at them when they conceived, that it would have an influence on their color. Maybe that maybe that's what it was. Maybe it made him feel better. And the Most High was just like, I got you. Relax. And it came to pass, whensoever the stronger cattle did conceive, that Yaakov laid the rods before the eyes of the cattle in the gutters, that they might conceive among the rods. But when the cattle were feeble, he put them not in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger were Yaakov's. And the man increased exceedingly and had much cattle and maid servants and man servants and camels and asses. Chapter 31. 
And he heard the words of Laban's son saying, Yaakov has taken away all that was our father's jealousy, envy, and that of which was our father's, he has gotten all this glory. And Yaakov beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not toward him as before. So Laban made the deal. He was like, sure. Yeah, you take those. And then all of a sudden, they're all multiplying that way. And Laban got the shoulder end of the stick, even though he made the deal. And Laban's like, and his sons are like, Mm. And Yahweh said unto El Yaakov, Return unto the land of your fathers and your kindred, and I will be with you. And Yaakov sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field of his flock. And he said unto them, I see your father's countenance that is not towards me as before, but the Elohim of my father has been with me. And you know that with all my power I have served your father. And your father has deceived me and changed my wages ten times, but Elohim suffered him not to hurt me. If he said thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the cattle bore speckled. And if he said thus, the ring straight shall be your hire, then bore all the cattle ring straight. Thus Elohim has taken away the cattle of your father and given them to me. And it came to pass at the time that the cattle conceived, that I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the rams which leaped upon the cattle were ring straight, speckled, and grizzled. And the angel of Elohim spoke unto me in a dream, saying, Yaakov. And I said, Here am I. And he said, Lift up now your eyes and see all the rams which leap upon the cattle are ring straight, speckled, and grizzled. For I have seen all that Laban does unto you. <clears throat> I am the Elohim of Beit El, where you anointed the pillar. And keep in mind, remember, this is the angel of Elohim. If that doesn't, if that sounds kind of weird, please look up a, a video that we made a couple years ago now, saying identity of the angel of uh, the identity of the angel of Yahuwah, which, long story short, is Messiah. I am the Elohim of Betel, where you anointed the pillar, and where you vowed a vow unto me. Now arise, get you out from this land, and return unto the land of your kindred. And Rachel and Leah answered and said unto him, Is there yet any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not counted of him strangers? For he has sold us, and he has quite devoured also our money. For all the riches which Elohim has taken from our father, that is ours and our children's. Now then, whatsoever Elohim has said unto you, do. Good wives trusted in their man dedicated to their man then Yaakov rose up and set his sons and his and his women upon camels courteous Torah take care of the women and he carried away all his cattle and all his goods which he had gotten the cattle of his getting which he had gotten in Padan Aram for go to El Yitzhak to his father in the land of Canaan and Laban went to shear his sheep and Rachel had stolen the teraphim this is the false gods this is like the idols images that are her fathers and we're going to learn why she stole them in just a moment and Jacob stole away unawares to Levon the Aramite in that he told him that um, he told him not that he fled let's just let's actually um, yeah we'll read, we'll read about why in just a second and so he fled with all that he had and he rose up and passed over the river and set his face toward Mount Gilead and it was told Levon on the third day that Jacob was fled and he took his brethren with him and pursued after him seven days' journey, and they overtook him in Mount Gilead. And Elohim came to Laban, the Aramite, in a dream by night and said to him, Take heed that you speak not to Yaakov, either good or bad. Then Laban overtook Yaakov. Now Yaakov had pitched his tent in the mount, and Laban with his brethren pitched in the mount of Gilead. And Laban said to Yaakov, What have you done that you have stolen away unawares to me and carried away my daughters as captives taken with a sword? Wherefore did you flee away secretly and steal it away from me and did not tell me that I might have sent you away with mirth and with songs and tabret and harp? 
and have not suffered me to kiss my sons and my daughters. You have now done foolishly in doing so. It is in the power of my hand to do you hurt. But the Elohim of your father spoke unto me yesternight, saying, Take heed that you speak not to Jacob, either good or bad. And now, though you would needs be gone, because you sore longed after your father's house, yet wherefore have you stolen my Elohim, my gods? And Jacob answered and said to Levon, Because I was afraid, for I said, Perchance you would take by force your daughters from me. With whoever, whoever you find your Elohim, let him not live. And that's and this is where I'm saying that power, words have power. <clears throat> Unfortunately, he didn't know that Rachel stole them, and it was not long after that Rachel died. He's a prophet. He spoke this: "With whomever you find your Elohim, let him not live. Before our brethren discern what is yours with me, and take it to you." For Yaakov knew not that Rachel had stolen them. And Lavan went into Yaakov's tent and into Leah's tent and the two maidservants' tents, but he found them not. Then went he out of Leah's tent and entered into Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the teraphim and put them in the camel's furniture and sat upon them. And Laban searched all the tent, but found them not. And she said to her father, Let it not displease my master that I cannot rise up before you, for the custom of woman is upon me. And he searched, but found not the teraphim. Now let's pause there. Let's read about why Rachel, why would Rachel steal the gods? You're just like, why would you do that? Jasher 31, 40 through 44. <clears throat> and Rachel stole her father's images, and she took them, and she concealed them upon the camel, which she sat, and she went on. And this is the manner of the images, and taking a man who is the firstborn, and slaying him, and taking the hair off his head, and taking salt, and salting the head, and anointing it with oil, then taking a small tablet of copper, or a tablet of gold, writing the name upon it, and placing the tablet under his tongue, and taking the head with the tablet under the tongue, and putting it in the house, and lighting up lights before it, and bowing down to it. And at the time when they bow down to it, it speaks to them in all manners that they ask of it, through the power of the name which is written on it. And some may make them in the figures of men, of gold and silver, and go into them in times known to them. And the figures receive the influence of the stars, and tell them future things. And in this manner were the images which Rachel stole from her father. And Rachel stole these images which were her father's, in order that Laban might not know through them where Jacob had gone. So she tried to do a good thing. And this brings up a, another point, is like, why does, why does Yah not want us bowing down to images? Well, because sometimes through these black magic, dark arts, they actually do do something. Because <clears throat> it's not like through centuries, people would bow down to these things and they'd never speak or whatever. But it's through wicked means, of course. And you saw what had to be done. It was straight wickedness. It was witchcraft. He doesn't want us to participate in these things. Why do you seek after these Elohims? And why don't you seek after me? Anyways, you don't have to do all that garbage. But he, so anyways, he found out the teraphim, and Yaakov was wroth and chode with Laban. And Yaakov answered and said to Laban, What is my transgression? What is my sin that you have so hotly pursued after me? Whereas you have searched all my stuff, what have you found of all your household stuff? Set it here before my brethren and your brethren, that they may judge betwixt us both. This twenty years have I been with you. Your ewes and your she-goats have not cast their young, and the rams of your flock I have not eaten. That which was torn of beasts I brought not unto you. I bore the loss of it. Of my hand did you require it, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Thus I was in the day the drought consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sleep departed from my eyes. 
Thus have I been twenty years in your house. I served you fourteen years for your two daughters, and six years for your cattle, and you have changed my wages ten times. Except the Eloha of my father, the Eloha of Abraham, and the fear of Yitzchak had been with me, surely you had sent me away now empty. Elohim has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you yesternight. And Laban answered and said to El Yaakov, These daughters are my daughters, and these children are my children, and these cattle are my cattle, and all that you see is mine. And what can I do this day unto, unto these my daughters or unto their children which they have borne? Now therefore come, let us cut a covenant, I and you, and let it be for a witness between me and you. And Yaakov took a stone and set it up for a pillar. And Yaakov said unto his brethren, Gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap, and they did eat there upon the heap. In the Aramaic, it said that uh, these were his sons, and he called his sons his brethren. And Laban called it Yagar Sahadutha, but Yaakov called it Galid. And Laban said, This heap is a witness between me and you this day. Therefore was the name of it called Galid. And Mitzpah, for he said, Yahweh watch between me and you when we are absent one from another. If you shall afflict my daughters, or if you shall take other women beside my daughters, no man is with us. See, Elohim is witness betwixt me and you. And Laban said to Jacob, Behold, this heap, and behold this pillar, which I have cast betwixt me and you. This heap be a witness, and this pillar be a witness, that I will not pass over this heap to you, and that you shall not pass over this heap and this pillar unto me for harm. The Elohai of Abraham, the Elohai of Nahor, the Elohai of their father, judged betwixt us. And Yaakov swore by the fear of his father Yitzhak. Then Yaakov offered sacrifice upon the mount, and he called his brethren to eat bread. And they did eat bread, and tarried all night in the mount. And early in the morning, Laban rose up, and kissed his sons and his daughters, and blessed them. And Laban departed, and returned unto his place. <clears throat> and next week, we're going we're gonna to learn here that Laban... As soon as he leaves here, immediately breaks this and goes behind uh, Jacob's back, goes to Esau and tells Esau everything. So it's like, he's like, well, I'm not doing anything wrong to him. Esau is. So anyways, um, I do want to read a little bit. I actually want to share this with you that who Laban actually is. Let's share this with you. Jasher 30, 18. In the fourth year of Jacob's residence in the house of Laban, Yahuwah visited Laban and remembered him on account of Jacob. And sons were born unto him, and his firstborn was Beor. Does that sound familiar? Deuteronomy 23.4 Because they met you not with bread and with water in the way, when you came forth out of Egypt, and because they hired against you Balaam, the son of Beor, of Pithor, of Mesopotamia. This is the same country. Mesopotamia, Aram, the Aramite, is in the same place as Mesopotamia. So is it conclusive? No, but it's very possible that Laban was the grandfather of Balaam. Kind of makes sense. From from wickedness goes forth wickedness. From the wicked goes forth wickedness, is the ancient proverb. So from the wicked, uh, Laban came forth the wicked, um, wicked Laban. Balaam. Kind of rhymes too, right? All right, last couple of verses, we're done. And Yaakov went on his way, and the angels of Elohim met him. And when Yaakov saw them, he said, This is Elohim's host. And he called the name of that place Machanaim. Say it with me. Machanaim means two camps. And Yaakov sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, unto the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And with that, brothers and sisters, our Torah portion is finished. Until next time. Let's pray. 
Father Yahweh, we just come before you, bless you and praise you again, and thank you so much for allowing us to study your word each week together as an assembly, even if we're scattered across the four corners of the earth, Father. We're just we're so excited to know you, to know your son, Yahusha, to be to start to get acquainted again with your ways, yeah, your Torah. And we just ask you to continue to bless us and make your face shine upon us and be gracious unto us, O Yah, and to give us understanding. And we just thank you so much. In Yahushua's mighty name, amen, hallelujah, shabbat shalom. And we'll see you next week, brothers and sisters. Um, I'll have the dates for Pesach coming up soon, but we are going to be camping in Pesach in uh, Lebanon, Missouri for about eight days. In I think it's the, the beginning of April sometime. All the dates for you soon. But uh, that first, I think it's like the going to be like the third through like the 12th or something like that. Anyways, if you want to start taking out, making sure you get some time off, we'd love to camp out with you and do Passover together. Blessings to you. Shalom. And we'll do a song. What are we going to do?
Love